everybody! Guess who's back? My name is Britt. I'm Craig. And this is the Football Fig Nuts Podcast, episode number 42 of season 2, or 92 if you're keeping longitudinal track at home. Uh, I am back. I've not been here for three weeks. Last week we were off. Yep. The week before that, Cinch was here. Yep. And I feel like a million things have happened, and I don't know even where to start. Excellent. Um, But let's start where we always start. We have a beer in front of us. Well, before we get to the beer, really quick. Yeah, yeah. So we've, we've been doing this number thing, which is a problem because we're going to hit episode 100 and nobody's worn any high numbers no, higher we'll than we'll have 100. to start over. So we're 92. Two 92s jump off the page at me. Yep. Reggie White. Okay. And Michael Strahan. Right. Amazing defenders. Very different defenders. Both at one point, and I think Strahan still is, was the, had the single season record for sacks. I think Reggie White, he had the record before him. We'll look that up. We'll look that up later. But either way, both amazing defensive players. You have to pick one in their prime for your team. Which one do you take? So different. They're so different, so different. But both really good. Yes. I'd have to lean towards Reggie White. Yeah, there's not a wrong answer to that question. There's not a wrong no, answer to that question. No, you pick either one. I think Reggie White. Reggie White was, I get, like I talk about how LT changed the position of linebacker. Reggie White changed the way that Lyman moved. I mean, he, he the way he railed his arms and just pushed you out of the way. And if you anticipated him moving his arms in a certain way, you he tried to change. counter it, he would just swim over the top of them. And it was just amazing. He could just move. It was almost like he knew in advance which way you were going to go, and he could just leverage it to his ability. Yep. Amazing player there. But we're also at episode 42. Right. Which most people would think Ronnie Lott. But I'm not going to talk about Ronnie Lott. I like Ronnie Lott. There's nothing wrong with Ronnie Lott because we're going to talk about Sid Luckman. All right. Legendary quarterback from the Chicago Bears, other than what's-his-face from the 80s. Jim McMahon. Thank you, because I just who's that guy before we even got to the beer. Sid Luckman, I believe, is the only other Bears quarterback in the Hall of Fame. He played from 1939 to 1950. Now, here's what you need to know, and here's why he's significant. In those, what is that, 12 seasons? Yes. In the 30s and 50s. First off, that team invented the T formation. Really? Yes. And the year they invented the T formation, they won the NFL championship game 73 to nothing. That was 1940. 73 to nothing. Here's why Luckman's significant. He threw for 14,600 yards in a year in an age when passing was eh. And they right. only played 12 games a year. Okay. Okay. 137 career touchdowns, 132 interceptions. All right. Not fantastic. 204 rushes for a combined. This is a 12 year total. Okay. 204 yard, 204 rushes for negative 239 total yards. Wow. In one season, he That's rushed the ball 36 times, losing 118 yards in the process. That's amazing Does to me. Does a fumble count as part of your loss? I don't know. But it gets even more amazing. Does. This All is right. how much football has changed. Okay. Sid Luckman was not only a guy who helped innovate the T formation. He was not only the probably the best quarterback in the history of the Bears. I'm, some people would say McMahon, but again, he's played forever. He was their punter. Oh. I'm going to say that again. Sid Luckman was their punter. Like Randall Cunningham. But except all the time. <laughs> All the time. And he starting in 1939, all the way up through 1950, he punted the ball 230 times for an average of 38.5 yards per punt. Not bad. That is not bad. So, all right, so it's fourth and one. And Sid Luckman is in there. <laughs> if you're a defender, what, what the hell do you do? You know, the thing you know he's not going to do is run it himself. No. They probably put somebody in the backfield, even when he was going to punt, just to screw with people. <laughs> How do you defend that? I, I got to see if there's, I mean, it was in the thirties and forties. His last season was 1950. I don't know if there's a lot of tape on this guy, but if there is, I got to go check it out. So Sid Luckman uh, is my player of the week right there. So, so really quick before the beer. Yeah. All time sack leaders. Yes. You're ready. Yeah. Number one at 200. Yeah. Bruce Smith. Oh no, this is total. Total. I was talking single season because single remember se- Strahan, oh, I, remember the, the Brett Favre right. laid down for Strahan. Like, oh, literally, yeah. they winked at each other, and were like, this is the one where we're going to get you the record, so I don't have to worry about you rushing me the entire game. Which, people got upset about Favre. That was genius. Okay? Brett Favre knew one thing. <clears throat> Whatever happened in this game, Michael Strahan was going to get a sack. So, in the second quarter or so, Brett Favre basically let it happen. 
because he knew once Strahan had the record, Strahan wasn't going to bother him. He wasn't going to bother him anymore. So he just let it happen. That was genius part on the part of the Packers. You give up one sack, you ensure that no other ones possibly are going to happen, and you know you're going to give up at least that one. That was single season, though. Reggie White, I I want to say Reggie White had the record before him, or maybe he, did he pass LT, maybe? Uh, 2001. Yeah. Michael Strahan. Yeah. He got so it. So tell me who's behind him. Uh, or just have that up. Let's see. Oh, excuse me. Um, do it on the fly. We'll do it live. Aaron Donald. I don't even know who that is. When the hell was that? You would think I should know this. I don't know this. He's on the Rams. Mm. Okay. Sure. Why not? But either way, both great, great defensive players. So let's talk beer. Right. Craig, you have in front of you a can. This is a cool can. And on it is a picture of a dog dressed as a ninja. Yes. And he has swords. He has swords strapped to his back. And there are six Shinobi. This is Dogs versus Shinobi, a collaboration between Pipeworks and Beard. And I'm just going to read off of the can because this is getting absurd what they do with these beers. It is a double dry hopped New England India Pale Ale with guava puree added. All right. And what's the bottom say? Ride the hype train. All right. I don't know if I'm going to like this. I'm not a big fan of tropical. Like the Joe Mixon train? Bush. No, the Joe Mixon train just keeps on chugging. (laughs) Keeps on chugging. I got to tell you, I, I already started warming it up. I start, I start shoveling coal into Excellent. it. We are ready to roll. I'm, I'm going to say it now. And I, oh my God, I, I'm just, I have this nowhere near my face and I can smell it. I can smell it from where I'm holding Oosh. it about a foot from my face. Ooh. The Joe Mixon train. Yeah. Joe Mixon is a clear cut RB one this year. The end. All formats. I'll, I'll take that. Top 10 running back when the season's over. There it is. Put it in stone. You know, who's not. Who's not a clear RB one, David Johnson. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. All right, let's, let's, uh, all right, go for the taste. Oh my God. The nose on this. And the cat decides to attack Craig's feet. Oh, right, the Craig, Craig is she, currently sitting in the cat's favorite chair. She wants to sit here and is trying to get me to move. Okay. So the nose on this is very sweet. Not like candy sweet, like fruit sweet. Okay. And hoppy. So all I'm right. getting sweetness followed by hoppy. And now we taste going for a sip. He's swishing and thinking. Thinking. Hoppy up front. Whoa. That is weird on the finish. Okay. It's like someone kicked open the door and went hops and then went, sorry, wrong apartment. Backed out of the door and closed the door behind it. All the hops is up front. There is no hops after. Wow. There is a real late tropical aftertaste. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Like ten seconds later, and it builds. Yeah, it's like it, it knocks. That's knocking on your door. It wants to come in. Yes, the hops backed out of the door. It kicked in and said, "After <laughs> you, guava." See, this isn't overly tropical, overly sweet. You can tell that there's a tropical fruit flavor there. If they didn't tell me that there was guava in this, I would wonder. But knowing that there's guava in this, it makes sense. Ooh, I like this. It's nice. I, this is not bad. It's a at nice all. finish. It's a nice finish compared to the hoppiness God in the beginning. Damn it! I should have bought more of this. And again, uh, ne- <clears throat> for the following week, I apologize again for my voice because uh, how can you still be sick? <clears throat> it went from my face, and I thought I was better. Uh huh. And apparently, it moved into my chest. Uh huh. Now it's back in my face. The, we were talking about this like it's an alien inside of you. I at think this it point. is. Okay, well that's that's something right there. Yeah, it is. It's not worth any money. No, but that's something. All right, so I like this. I found this, believe it or not, I found this at Al's. Really? Which is not my favorite place to stop for beer, but I happened to be in that plaza for some pizza, and I said, you know what? I'm going to check it out. You know what? I'm looking at the color of it, too. I got a little bit on the edge of my can. It's really light in color. We didn't get any glasses up here, but it's almost yellowish. It's very light colory. Another sip for Brit. Mm. <laughs> I don't mind this one at all. I was worried about the guava because I'm not a big guava guy. But um, yeah, it's a nice it's a nice balance. I should have bought more of this. I got to go to Alice and get more of this before they run out of it because it was highly rated on uh, Untapped too. I think it was a four hundred three. Oh. on Untapped uh, and anything that's got a global rating uh, or, or, or weighted rating of over four is worth a try, in my opinion. So um, Untapped isn't always the most 
objective yeah, yeah. rating source, but it's worth it a try. It does help. It, if I'm standing there, I got two beers in my hand, and one's a 3.25 global, and the other one's a 4.25, guess which one I'm buying? The three. Yeah, no. No. <laughs> Along the lines of that, before we get into the football stuff, and we have a ton of football to talk about, but this is probably going to be a long episode because it's our last episode of April. Um, I did go to, last Friday, on Good Friday, I went to Brewport for uh, some pizza and a beer. Okay. And um, I get there and I look at the menu, and they have Crucial Mass on the menu. If you don't know what Crucial Mass is, it's a double IPA that's made by uh, Counterweight in Hamden, Connecticut. It has got. It is right now on Untapped in the top five global local top local. five locally produced beers available. Wow. It is higher than Too Juicy. It is, I think, a spot behind Sip of Sunshine. It is way up there. Has like a global overall rating of about four point two. That's extremely high. Now, when I say glo- when I say global rating, that means the number everyone everyone who's tried it. But they weight those. So if only six people have tried it. They downgrade the thing. This had like 2,000 ratings, and it was still wow. over 4.2. That's extremely rare if you don't do Untapped. And if you don't do Untapped, you should because it's a great place to find out what other people are drinking. This is probably going to be a 4.2, 4.5 on my list. There is only two beers ever that have reached 5.0 for me on Untapped. Okay. And they are Holiday Ale and Rosemary's Other Baby. The Other Baby. Other Baby. The original one with the vanilla that made you see the future. Right. Only two beers have ever made a 5.0 for me on Untapped. That might be a lie, but there's only like two or three. This one hit 4.75, Crucial Mass. My God, was it good. And it was. What was it like? It was, it was a very smooth IPA. It was a New England IPA disguising itself as an IPA. But the hops were present, but smooth. So I always talk about, you know, hops busting down the door. Right. This would be like, or coming through the wall or something like that. This would be like you hear a knock at the door and you open the door and um, and Shaft is standing there. <laughs> and he goes, hi, my name is Hops. Shakes your hand and goes, it's been a pleasure talking to you and leaves. It is that smooth. It was, but it was 8%. So I'm sitting there and I've got a 12 ounce glass of it. I'm halfway through it. I haven't had a slice of pizza yet. And all of a sudden and I'm like. feel? <laughs> and I looked at my wife and I went, do we have errands to run after this? And she goes, yeah, we got stuff to get done because it's Easter weekend. And I went, oh. And she goes, why? I said, because I want another one of these. And then after I have that one, I want a third one. And then I want to start talking what was about. The, what was the percentage? Eight. And then I start, want to start arguing about artificial turf. <laughs> and then I want them to kick me out when it's closing after I've had about $50 worth of this beer. It was really that smooth and that good. I'm going to have to go try it. Absolutely. I will. You know what? I would drive down with you after this if our wives wouldn't kill us for doing it on a Wednesday night. Um, so anyway, so that was so crucial mass. If you like IPAs and you like IPAs that you could where the hops are present, but they are smooth and they're not like overpowering. That is an amazing one. And the juiciness was there to counterbalance the hops, but it wasn't overpowering right. either. Really. Like, solid. And if you don't know uh, what Brit means. Yeah. If you took a beer like uh, Road to Ruin. Yes. <clears throat> that's all. Hops That's smacking a you in the face. Double IPA. That all right. So comparatively, so I talked about Shaft is is crucial mass at your door. Yeah. Road to Ruin is a pine tree shoved through your window. <laughs> that when it comes in there, there's a sign on it that screams hops. Like Christmas vacation. <laughs> like Christmas vacation. But there's a sign on the top of the tree that says hops. That's what Road to Ruin is like in terms of the severity of the hops. How hard and fast it comes at you. So I worked a um. And I swear we're going to get to football. I worked a hockey game last weekend, and we're near the end of the season. They put me in the craft corner because people know I love beers. And I'm looking at the fridge, and I've tried everything in the fridge except, believe it or not, the Amstel Light. Because I just don't like mainstream beers. And the Amstel Light is only in there because it's on sale because it's the playoffs. So somebody walks up. Everybody walks up to me and looks up and goes, "Um, I don't know. Oh, you have Road to Ruin? I'll take Road to Ruin. I sold like 50 cans of Road to Ruin. Really? In an arena. I'm like, my God, everybody's walking up here and they're taking one look at my case and going, oh, Road to Ruin, Road to Ruin. Then I sold out of the Road to Ruin and everybody's like, oh, where's your Road to Ruin? It's sold out. Oh, my God, you guys didn't order Road to Ruin? I sold 50 cans in the last hour. <laughs> what the hell do you, what am I, Nostradamus? <laughs> I, it's the guy who orders this stuff, he's not, he's not, he's not a freaking soothsayer. He doesn't know how many, <laughs> that Road to Ruin's been sitting there for two weeks. You guys buy two cans a game. The one game you guys buy 50 cans. You're upset that he doesn't have more Road to Ruin? Have some Ansel Light. 
Yeah, have an Amstel Light. They're $5 a can. It's a special. It's there you go. special. You can get two cans of Amstel Light for the same price of a Road to Ruin. Shut up. There you go. Done. You know what? We should talk about football. Right. But we can't. No. Why? Because it's time for burning hot take questions. All right. Would you like to give or would you like to receive? I will give. All right. Give it to me. What do you got? Um, <clears throat> your Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. They have a player. Whenever you say your Kansas City Chiefs, it's something bad has happened. <laughs> Who's in jail now? Um, well, Tyreek had those domestic violence charges. Yes. The D- well, investigation. Investigation. I'm sorry. Investigation. Sorry. The DA has decided to drop the charges. Okay. Does this affect his job with the Chiefs? No. Not yet. Of course, we've seen this before. That is not exactly the same thing happened with Kareem Hunt and then a tape surface and all of a sudden the Chiefs were like, oh my God, you didn't tell us about this. Bye. Yeah. If something changes later. The same thing will happen. They'll yes. just like, there's the door. Yes. The Chiefs love bringing in second chance guys. The guy they just traded for the, for the, from the Seahawks, Frank Clark, defensive Who? end. <laughs> I know. I had to look him up too and I'm like, oh, that's right. He's the really good defensive guy of the Seahawks. He's the one good one left. And now he's the Chief. He's had a questionable past. The Chiefs love to give second opportunities. And this is historically, this goes back to before Clark Hunt when Lamar was still alive. They were the team that gave Andre Risen the chance to come back into the league. After Andre Risen was cut by Atlanta, and people were like, oh, I don't know, he's a little crazy. He dates that lady from TLC. Well, I mean, she's the one that burned down his house. That's true. That is true. <laughs> Rest in peace, left eye. But you did burn down his house. Um, this is historically how they operate, but they also have a very quick trigger. Um, they are not patient with people that they feel like. So it's have like you get one trust. chance. Yes, or not even one chance. And it's you not get... even. It's not even. Yeah, you get one shot, and it's not even about whether or not you do right or not. It's whether you not you do right by them. It's not that Kareem Hunt had a violent incident in the hallway. It's that he went to the Chiefs and told them it was a nothing burger. And the that's really the reason the Chiefs caught him was because he lied. They saw the tape and they said, you didn't tell us about this. And he was kind of like, oh, well, you see the thing is. No, the see the thing is your stuff's in the parking lot. Get out of here. Security. Security. And that was it. That was it. it. Really, honestly, it wasn't even about the tape. It was about the fact that he lied to them. And that's a big so deal. So you think if he went to them like the week after it happened, be like, look, this there would is have what been, happened. Mm-hmm. I may have kicked someone in the head. I may have missed. There would have been but... a media frenzy. The Chiefs probably would have demanded to see the tape, and then they would have made a decision at that point. But as much as I would love to say the Chiefs are taking the high road in cases like Kareem Hunt, it is somewhat self-serving. I'm not going to sit here and say my team is like altruistic, and they took their players' word for it, and then when they saw how bad it was, they were like, oh my... Honestly, it's about the fact that he lied to the coaches. If he had come forward and said, listen, this is what happened. It's bad. And there may be security video of it. Then the Chiefs probably would have sat him down. They would have planned a media blitz to cover it up or to at least try to explain it away. They would have put him in community spotlights with like the United Way or something to try and make him look like a good little boy. He might have survived it. I'm not saying he would have, but he might have. Right. The, the cutting of Kareem Hunt was more about the lying than it was the act. And that's not necessarily a good thing. I'm just saying that's where they're at. So when I hear that Terry Kill isn't going to be charged now, that doesn't mean that he's off the hook. Come December, November, December. Here's a tape of him punching some woman in the stomach. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. You know, here's a tape of him swinging uh, shopping carts around the parking lot and throwing them at cars while he said he was at home with his family. No. That unfortunately, for better or for worse, the Chiefs are much more interested in their on the honesty level with them than they are about actual justice. And I think that's that's business. Yeah. It's not good. I'm not defending the Chiefs. I'm not in any way, shape, or form. If Tyreek Hill broke the law and he did something to hurt somebody, he should be held accountable, both by the NFL and by the law. But what I'm saying is that's unfortunately not how the Chiefs, the Chiefs love to give second chances, but have no problem revoking that second chance if you have upset them. Sure. If you walked in the door and said, I killed three hookers last night, stole a car, and drove it off a bridge where it landed on a ferry and the ferry caught fire, <laughs> and the, chief, the Chiefs would probably look at you and go, is there tape? Does anybody see you who was with you? 
that's their first reaction. Not, oh my God, you're a terrible human being. Sit right there while I call the cops, which is what, you know, we would think in an altruistic society we should do. That's not their reaction. So what do you think? Right. I'm sitting here ranting um, about it. No, pretty much the same thing. I think if he, like I said, if something comes up in November and, you know, honestly, I still think someone in Vegas had, um, had tape of that hotel. <laughs> Something it's possible. Something comes up, you know, right before the Chiefs make it to the playoffs. I won't be surprised. The first team in a long time with first team probably since the Oakland Raiders with Rich Gannon in it to look like he actually challenged the Patriots. Yep. Well, that's a, probably an exaggeration. Probably the Peyton Manning Colts. But yeah, that pretty pretty much like the third or fourth team in the last fifteen years that could actually challenge the Patriots. And all of a sudden their rudder their leading rusher, you know, this comes out. Yeah. So. so he's no Sid Luckman. That's for no, sure. That is for sure. And he can't punt that. that well, we don't know that. We don't he know that he probably, well, right. Not 40 yards worth. Right. All right. So my question for you, right. Football related. Yep. Our dear personal friend, Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. Is now a Cleveland Brown. Yeah. Somebody said something on Twitter. Of course, as they always do. That set him off in such a way that he basically did he basically stood outside the giants facility with a torch and said I could burn this entire place down if I want to but I'm too good for that but I'm going to make sure you all know I could burn this place down if I wanted to he's already had a rant he hasn't even played a game for the browns yet yeah and he's already had a rant about how he was underappreciated and losing did this and all yeah. he did was everything they ever asked him to do and when he was injured, he didn't travel with the team because the team told him no. Yeah. Is this a bad sign for the Browns? Yes, because this is what the Browns paid for. Yes, next question. <laughs> the Browns, That's an easy one. The Browns, I mean, you know how Odell is. I mean, he punched a kicking net and got hit in the face. But they made up, and they did they propose did to up. They and, did make up. And, and importantly, he owned it. He went to Giants management and said, listen, there's some tape of me kicking this net. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he, that's what the Browns paid for. Is he a great receiver? Yeah. Is he a prima donna? Yeah. I don't know that he's that great a receiver. He's had one or two really good he, years. He and better, every well, every giant Jarv- fan that subscribes to us just dumped us. With is that he better statement. than Jarvis Landry? Oh my God. There's 50 guys I can name better than Jarvis Landry. Right. Jarvis Landry isn't a number one. Jarvis Landry is a, a wide receiver three at this point. Even in, in Miami because he had no talent around him. He was a wide receiver two at best. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a good comparison. So I just think that's not yeah, a good Mendoza line. <laughs> um, but yeah, he just for me and, you know, being a Bengals fan for a long time, he just brings way too much drama. Yeah. And there's other people on that team who also have way too much drama. And I still think they're becoming the Steelers 2.0. Winning deodorizes everything. It does, but I don't think they're going to win. Well, here's the thing. They don't have to win this year. They have to win in 2020. So if they go out there and go seven wins or better, which I don't think is unheard of with their schedule. Here's the other thing, too. If they go, let's say they win their first two games, right? right? Everyone's happy. I'm pulling up the Browns schedule right now. Keep talking. Let's say they win their first two games. They now all of a sudden drop their next five. You think Odell isn't going to like say anything on Twitter to make everything really awkward or their quarterback or their quarterback isn't going to like say something stupid? I don't. I think that there's a level of patience and hopefulness in Cleveland that's um, of, of a long-term nature that they are not going to have those problems. That's my personal opinion on that. Hold on. Pull up your schedule. All right. He's still looking. I'm going to try more of this beer. Yeah, go ahead. I, I'm like almost done with mine. I hope there's a backup beer in this cooler. Did you bring anything this There week? is. Excellent. But it's it's in a bottle. Who cares what format it's in? All right. Let's see. Here we go. Ah, nope. sorry. Nope. Nope. All right, I'm just going to skip the preseason. All right. Based As on what we know should. now. Now, we're, we're still outside the draft. Yes. Which draft we're going to get to. Uh, tomorrow. Our draft spectacular is all of four players, and it's going to happen in like 15 minutes. <laughs> Win loss. I'm just going to count the wins, right? right. I'm going to go down the list. Yep. They open against the Titans. Okay. Win or loss. It, uh, at home. At home? 
At home against the Titans. Week I'll, one. Give, I'll give them a win. I'm going to take one. a win, too. All right, so count your own, because I'm going to count mine. All right. At the Jets. Eek. Ah, loss. I'm going to give them a win. At home against the Rams. Loss. Loss. At the Ravens. At the Ravens? I think they're going to split with the Ravens, so they're going to lose that one. All right, I'll take them a loss there, too. At the Niners. I'll give them a win. All right. Win. I think the Niners are woefully bad. Hosting the Seahawks. Loss. I'm going to give them a loss there, too. I'm tempted to give them a win, but I won't. At Patriots. Loss. loss. At Broncos. Loss. Yeah, all right. Ooh, all right. I'll give them a win. Give them a win there. Hosting the Bills. Win. Win. Hosting the Steelers. Win. Hosting the Steelers. Win. Hosting the Dolphins. Win. At Steelers. Loss. Loss, too. Hosting the Bengals, win. Win. At the Cardinals, win. win. I've already got them at eight. Hosting the Ravens, win. Win. At the Bengals, loss. All right, so how many do you have? Because I have nine, three, four, maybe ten. Five, six, eight. All right. Eight or nine wins is enough. Their schedule is brutal. All right, let's, let's just look at those first five games. At home against the Titans... Going to the Jets at home against the Rams. Then at the Ravens. Then at the Niners. They could be two and three after those games or even one and four. Yes. And still be extremely hopeful. I don't think there's any question. Do you think if they go one and four, like Odell isn't going to start his crap on Twitter? No, because Odell's going to look and say, holy crap, we lost to the Rams. We were at the Ravens. Um... The you know the Niners if Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy might be a George better team. George Kittle. George Kittle, <laughs> probably now with Gronk on, he's probably a top three tight end. Oh God, <laughs> kill me, please. Season three of the Football Fig Nuts features Craig and <coughs> blank because Britt's dead because he can't stomach George Kittle. George Kittle. So, all right. Enough of uh, all right. So OBJ is a distraction. I don't think he's going to be as big a distraction as Craig does. I do worry about the crap he's putting out there now, as does Craig. So there it is. You know what helps them? They play in a very mediocre division. I'm sorry. They do. I know they do. I'm sorry. I don't have faith in Cincy, Baltimore, or Pittsburgh. And this is as much as I hate Pittsburgh Steelers and I hate on them. They were the best team in a very average division. Yes. It's like saying there's five pizza places on a street and one of them doesn't make you throw up. So it's the best <laughs> pizza place on a street. That's what the Steelers were. The Steelers aren't that for me anymore. And it has nothing to do with Brown being gone. It has nothing to do with uh, what's his name? The guy who never played last year. Jesus. The guy that never Bell. Played. There you go. Jeez, sorry, guys. T- two weeks off and I'm even worse than normal. Has nothing to do with any of that. I just think that they are completely and woefully inept right now, and their coaching is bad. Let me say that again. The coaching of the Pittsburgh Steelers is bad. I hate Todd Haley with a burning passion that will never die. If I am at the pearly gates and St. Peter goes, your only thing you have to do to get into heaven is shake hands with Todd Haley, I will burn in hell for eternity. Because as a Chiefs fan, I will never forgive him for what he did for our team. But... He is probably the best coach they've had in the Mike Tomlin era. And they fired him because Ben Roethlisberger is a prima donna who no one sees. Sorry, 360-degree football. You just got angry (laughs) at us. You probably unfollowed us on Twitter. I'm sorry. You guys are fantastic in what you do. I think your team's crap. The end. Yeah. So that brings us to the third burning hot take question. We are 30 minutes into the podcast. And we are still on burning hot takes because I am all over the place. Craig, what have you got for your last hot take? Um, does um, <clears throat> Marshawn Lynch retiring matter? No, because he might unretire in two weeks. He's done this before. He's done this before. I'm done. I'm hanging it up. He runs out of Skittles and pot and he comes back. And I don't know that Marshawn Lynch smokes pot. I'm guessing because the probably guy does. always looks like he's high. He probably does. He's taking a lot of hits. He has. He has. It's, it's not... possible that's it. But he always looks high to me. He does. What do you think? Is, it... is, he, is he done? 
Is this, I don't know. Is this if a week four signing because somebody's not, desperate? If he's not back by week six, then he's done. As of right now, maybe. What's his name from uh, who played with the Rams this year when Gurley got hurt, banged up? C.J. Anderson. C.J. Anderson was done. Sat on the couch yeah. watching football. He's like, hey. Might well, as well have been sitting next to me eating nachos. Picks up uh, the phone. Here's another really quick thing. Yeah. The Eagles said that Nelson Aguilar is up for trade. Would you take him? Situational. Depends on my need. If I need a poor man's Tyreek Hill, yes. If I, I need personally a pos- think the Jets should try to get him. The Jets need a receiver. Robbie Anderson is not the answer to any question. Didn't they trade for somebody? Yeah, no, he'd be yeah, but not a number one. Who is it? Who am I thinking of? Oh, I'll have to look it up. I feel like they <clears throat> traded for a wide receiver. Nukia, but- nu- ah, him. Quincy Anunwe. Thank you. He's good, but he's made a paper mache. And he is a good possession receiver, yes. which is what we're talking about. Nelson Aguilar is not a possession receiver. He is a streak slash slot slash go for the long ball guy, which is okay. You need to have him, but you need a Jordy Nelson next to him. You need that guy who can possess the ball. You need him next to a Brandon Cooks. That's fair. And I mean, that's that's why I feel like it works so well in New Orleans is because you have Ted Ginn Jr. He only catches one or two balls a game, but they're for 60 yards each. And it's because Michael Thomas is such a threat. You can't afford to double cover, double cover um, Ted Ginn every time he streaks. Like here, Here's the Jets receivers. Robbie yeah. Anderson. I swear to God, I thought they signed somebody. Josh Bellamy. That's probably what that's you're thinking of. That's not who I'm of. thinking of. Huh? Uh, Dante Burnett. No. Stacy Coley. No. Jamison Crowder, that's who you're thinking of. That's probably who I'm thinking of. And then Quincy. So and here's then the- Quadri Henderson and J.J. Jones. I don't know either of those guys. Exactly. Oh, that's right. And they signed Ty Montgomery, who's a receiver slash running back. Ty Montgomery's going to come out of the backfield, so that that's not that's not helpful to me. I think if Anunwa or Crowder can stay healthy, they're possession receivers. Yep. Crowder does not have the breakaway speed to be a slot guy. They One of them has to stay healthy, though, for it to work. And I don't know that they can. No, I don't know that they can. Probably not. <laughs> All right. All right. Onward. We're already halfway through the episode. We haven't even talked Upward. about our draft preview. No. So the plan tonight was to have the source here with us. Damn it. The source, unfortunately, has a um, rather... Difficult schedule. Mr. I have to work. Yeah. I have to provide for my family. I have an important job. He actually does, but that's beside the point. We're just (laughs) making fun because our jobs aren't important. No, not at all. You know, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you this is funny, though. I was in a meeting in Stanford today. Yeah. Ending at four o'clock and at three fifty five. One of the other guys went, Britt, you can stay longer today. I went, no, I have to podcast. (laughs) And that is literally the reason I used to get out of it. If you're not from Connecticut. Stanford to Connecticut. Stanford to Connecticut. Stanford to Bridgeport. Thank you. Fairfield. Stanford to Bridgeport is an hour drive on a good traffic day. 30 minutes with no traffic. It can be upwards of two hours on a bad day. Yes. So for you to be saying at four o'clock, Britt, you have to stay for where he wants to podcast by 630. That's not going to happen if he wants to get some dinner in him. And no. Britt wanted to get some dinner in him. No. Then if, if you have to work late in Stanford, you might as well stay until nine. I use a train. I use a train. You ready for the funniest part of this? Yes. I did the math. By using the train and using a cab to get to and from the train station, I actually saved my company money in reimbursement. They're going to reimburse me like $24 for the whole trip, where if I had driven, it would have been like $27 in mileage. Really? I saved my company $3 by using public transportation. Britt needs a raise. You heard it here first. Britt doesn't need a raise. but you do. Britt should be recognized, (laughs) and he will recognize himself in this case. For actually being fiscally conscious in these difficult times. The economy is doing great. It's fantastic. (laughs) Nobody gets less credit for the economy than I do. That's because you don't deserve any. But all right, moving on. All right, so the source did send us some notes. He did. A lot of notes. He sent us a lot of notes about people he would talk about if he were in the room. So let's pull that up. I'm working on it now. Should we open the second beer as well? Is yours gone? Yes. Then Yes. I'm going to skip over the Robbie uh, Gould wants out of San Francisco thread. 
What is this other thing in my cooler? Uh, it's a bottle. Well, yeah, but what is it? You, I don't you know. put it in You'll here. You'll have to reach so. in and grab it. It's from Harpoon. One hazy summer. The folks who brought you Dunkin' Donuts Porter now bring you one hazy summer. That's right. And really quick, the um, other, they actually are making another Dunkin' Donuts beer. I need to puff the top on that, don't You I? do. That you do. They're making another Dunkin' Donuts beer? Yes. It's supposed to be more. Train. Thank you. Ooh. Uh, oh, Craig oh. almost spilled the beer. There we go. Almost being the keyword. I didn't. He didn't. This was established in 1986, not the Bear Harpoon. Okay, so what are they doing with Duncan now? Um, they're making a like a I think a lighter one, so almost like a like clump. an iced coffee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'm I am all for it. All right, so this is called Harpoon's One Hazy Summer. Craig has handled it to me. Yep. It's described on the front of the bottle as juicy, vibrant, and soft. Yep. Uh, it's only five and a half percent. It is. Uh, the top says we don't need any excuses to celebrate one hazy summer. Does yours have a Mad Libs on the side? It does. Intense aromas of citrus, berry, and tropical fruit in a summer. In a, I'm sorry, in a hazy summer pale Keep ale. Keep talking. Brit is. Uh, oh yeah, on the back there is a uh, Mad Libs. <clears throat> Dear blank, I can't make it to blank. I am blank to miss it, but I have a blank that I need to blank. And just can't get away. I hope to make it up to you. Blank beers are on me. Sincerely, blank. All right. I don't. This is a summer beer. Right. And it's too early in my head for summer beers. Which but is it was why really nice out today. It was. But I, I have. You know what? The first summer beer we have to have every year is, right? Is Dull Summer Shandy by Niran Kansit. Which is also out. Yes, but I haven't brought yet. So this feels too early. Um, hey, it's I feel lagerish. like that way about pumpkin beer. So it's fine. No. You can't feel that way. Pumpkin beers are delicious year-round. <laughs> All right. Side story. Uh-oh. So I'm working at the arena on Saturday night. And I told you, I sold a lot of Road to Ruin. Yes. This one guy comes to see me four times. The fourth time, he walks up to my bar and he went, dude, you can't possibly want another Road to Ruin. And he went, you're damn right I want another Road to Ruin. I went, sir, I've served you three beers in the last two hours, and they are double IPAs. There is no way I'm going to serve you another beer. He goes, I am completely sober. I am fine. Seriously. So I said, all right, talk to me for a second. So we talked to him for a second. And he is. He's fine. I'm like, you've got great alcohol tolerance. He goes, listen, there's only one beer out there that gets me. And it's the only beer I take over Road to Ruin. I'm like, all right, what is it? It's some Budweiser. pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. It's some pumpkin beer. Two Roads makes it. Uh, somebody's baby. Rosemary's baby. That's it. Really? Rosemary's baby gets you drunk? And Road to Ruin doesn't? Wow. Road to Ruin is like one and a half times stronger. Wow. Then Rosemary's Baby goes, something about it, man. But I could down those left and right. Maybe it's because I drink so many of them. I yeah, can have probably. S- I could have six or seven of them in a sitting really easy. And I'm like, okay, oh, that'll do that's it. That's different then. Three Road to Ruins, even though they're double IPAs, is not the same as six Rosemary's Babies in the same period of time. So that, there's my funny story. But as we get to the draft uh, video. Not bad, though. I'm not a fan. That's all right. That's why I'm going to drink it. Trust me. I'm not turning it down, but I'm, I, I'm, eh. you know what now, it is? It's a letdown after something I really loved. Fair. But if it was summer and it was like 90 degrees outside, would you Hold like Hold on. I'm taking another sip and think of that way. All Close right. my eyes and I'm imagining it's 90. All right. Drinking, thinking about it, imagining. Oh, my God, it's hot. That's really refreshing. Yeah. All right. Fair. If it's 90 out, it's doable. All right. So, all right. So from, from the source, I asked him to provide a couple of players. He just thought were impact players at the fancy level. So here's the reality of the draft that you're going to hear. Cause we release this tomorrow. By the time you hear this, the first round of the draft may be over. If not, it's about to happen. By the way. Hi, Deb. Hi, Deb. Deb was very upset with us, by the way, that we did not release an episode last week because Sorry. she was traveling. She was. And she would have loved to hear us while she traveled. Yeah, but Tom doesn't want to listen to us. And that is why we didn't record last <laughs> week. You're welcome, Tom. Hi, Deb. You're welcome, Tom. Moving on. Um, I don't even remember how I got there. <laughs> Where am I? <sighs> he fakes the fake. Um, so the the source sent us a couple of folks. And the first one he started with, I, I did. Or, oh, that's where I was going with this. My God. See, I took two weeks off and have a beer and a half. Not even a beer and a half. And I'm already beer out. Beer and a quarter. So I looked at 
three different sets of big boards. Right. Todd McShay, um, the reanimated corpse of Mel Kuyper, some <laughs> other site. Everybody has. Maybe Mel Kuyper top... is the Night King. He might be. <laughs> would explain a lot. My brother does have the theory that they put him into to suspended animation every year and they just bring him out for the draft. Of the top 10 players on pretty much everybody's big board, eight or nine are routinely defensive. So from a fantasy football perspective, there are not that many impact players in this draft. Correct. Last year, we were spoiled. We had five impact quarterbacks in the first two rounds. We don't have that this year. So... We're going to jump around based on what the source told us. The source started with Josh Jacobs. He's the running back out of Alabama. Let me tell you what I know about him. He is a bruising, run-over-you type of runner that's been compared to Frank Gore. Let me stop there because that's a problem. If this kid is the next Frank Gore, I am going to be so smitten that I might propose to him if I see him. He's got good hands. He's got good upper body. He can run over people. Um, he's great in the pass catching game. And again, I'll be honest. I have not watched a single moment of film on any of these folks. I am using what other analysts and other trainers have told me to go and on. The source this. is very into college football. The source is very into college football. It doesn't make him perfect, but he knows no. his stuff. He's a powerful runner and he's very tough. He can take a hit and get back up. Here's the problem. Josh Jacobs has only had one full... He was never the full-time starter in Alabama. Never. He was okay. always in at least a split. And there's some question about his pass protection ability. He doesn't seem to like... Getting hit. Blocking. It's not even getting hit because he's super tough. But he doesn't like blocking, and he doesn't like being the second option in the play. So if you have a pass play where he's your checkdown option, he doesn't seem into it. He's also not super fast. That's what I've read. What the source says is that he's considered by some to be the best running back in the draft. He's expected to go mid to late first round on many draft boards. The later he's drafted, the more likely he goes to a good team. And from a fantasy perspective, I like running backs on good teams. Craig, Josh Jacobs, in your research, what have you found? Um, Honestly, about the same. Um, So I was trying to think of teams that would draft him. Which Good, because I haven't looked at that. <laughs> uh, so is, mid to late round, who we got? Let me look at the draft order really quick, because I had that up, and then it went away. And Sorry. the Chiefs traded out of their 29, by the way. If you're looking at a draft board that's not updated, that was part of the um, deal with the Seahawks. They no longer have a first-round pick. They don't. Again, another you year without really a first-round pick. really crazy to me, really quick? The Jets are trying to trade out of their third pick. Yeah, you know, I, I meant to put that in my list of things to talk about during Burning Hot Takes. Because really totally quick, forgot. I think, I personally, I think they're trying to trade for like a veteran receiver. Because they don't need that much help on defense. All they don't. Their, their defense local, is pretty solid, their, actually, honestly. Their defense is top 10. They need help. They need a receiver. They need everything in offense except quarterback. And running back. Provided I mean, that he's healthy. Who's he? Uh, Mr. I work at Dairy Queen. Oh, that's right. Oh, my Mr. God. Bell. How do I forget that he's there? <laughs> Where's that guy? That's a new segment that will never happen. No. But, I mean, I can see, like, the Buccaneers or the or the, the Lions taking him. Maybe. Absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, a quick shout-out. Speaking of the Lions. What? Yeah. Even though I know no one in the Lions organization listens to our podcast, big thumbs up and congratulations and happy news Matt Stafford's wife, Kelly, is out of the hospital. Yes. For those of you who don't know, she had a very scary, um, I think it was a brain issue. Uh, she had a brain, a rare brain tumor. Correct. And she had it operated on, and she is yeah. out of the and hospital now, and in recovery. Now I know it's, um, Congrats to the Stafford family. That's great news. What's really crazy, like during her surgery took longer than expected because there was something about an artery or a vein near where the tumor was. Yeah. And the doctor doing the surgery actually wrote a, a medical, I don't know if it's a digester book, about yeah. that condition with that artery there. So he, so he was it. literally like the perfect person to like do this surgery. Let me tell you, I was a cognitive psychology major in college. I did a lot of stuff on sensation, perception, how our brains work, how brain injuries function. And one of the things I had to watch in some of my classes was active brain surgeries. 
I don't know really? if they're still doing this now. No, well, I didn't like sit in like a hospital room and watch them, but I watched tapes of them. The brain is such a mystery to doctors, yeah, even to this they day. Have no idea. Well, I mean, they have an idea, but it is it because everyone is different. I saw videos where they would keep a patient conscious. Right. Local anesthetics, you'd feel nothing. Literally, their head is wide open. And a doctor is stimulating areas of the brain near a tumor to find out where he can cut. And they would put up a picture on a screen. So you'd be laying there on your side. And you'd be looking at a screen, unable to feel anything. And a picture of a cat would come up. Yeah. And the doctor would say, what do you see? Well, he used an electric little shock prodder to just poke your brain. And if you went, it's a cat. He knew that there was a memory function there that was part of what you were recognizing. Yeah. I saw instances, and I swear to God, you could not make this up, where they poke the brain and go, what do you see? And the patient would go, Vazigadosi. And the doctor would remove the electrode and go, say it one more time. And the patient would go, a cat. And they put the electrode back one more time. Vizigadozi. And they would put these little flags that so look like. So that's where to not cut. It's a crucial area. It's a crucial area that if you damage, the person may lose some skills, at least in verbal communication. I don't that's know if crazy. brain injury. But that's part of the reason brain injury takes so long. People think, oh, all right, you go in there, you cut out a tumor, you get out. Not in the brain, man. It is hardcore. So I hope that I hope Kelly Stafford recovers very quickly. I hope Matt Stafford recovers from a very bad season as well. But, you know, family first, man. Good for them. I'm glad to hear that. So I, I think Josh Jacobs. All right, so back to the point here. Josh Jacobs' value is going to depend on where he lands. Period. Adam's Adam's right. The source is right. <laughs> if, uh, if, if he goes to a team that's mid-range, eh. If he slips into the 20 to 30 range where he's in playoff team territory, somebody who needs to bolster their running back core, he's in good shape. He's in good shape. I love it. I love it. So, all right. What else did the source tell us? Talked about DK Metcalf. The source says, from Ole Miss, from what I've read, his side and speed are his strengths. He's coming off a neck injury that kept him out of the final five games of this year. Right. Now, sorry, who was this again? DK Metcalf. Okay. I haven't seen a clear consensus on his expected draft position. I've seen mock drafts where he goes in the late first round and others where he's a top 10. I expect he'll be drafted in the early to mid first round and can become a starter quickly if drafted by the right team. Right. So my research on DK Metcalf, uh, that he is considered injury prone because of the neck injury. The wide receiver class this year is very thin, very thin. I don't think he is one of the best two receivers in a very weak class. He's got good size, excellent body mechanics. One of the things scouts have noticed is that when he gets position, he makes sure defenders can't get to the ball. Even if he can't catch the ball, he uses his body to shield the defenders. Right. Problem is he has that neck injury, which brings up concerns. Neck injuries aren't exactly something you just get over. No. And he has problems with the release of the line of scrimmage, which means he's easily jammed. In the NFL, you're going to get jammed a lot. Right. So what have you found with DK um, Metcalf? What year is he? He's a sophomore, right? Or I believe so. I he's don't know. He's definitely not a senior. No. A lot of these guys aren't. No. A lot he's of a these guys are coming out early. Um, sophomore I actually junior had, I actually had him because I'm actually in a fantasy college league where what you do is you draft a team. Did you have Ole Miss? I did for a little while. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Um, Their wide receiver core is really good. My problem with Metcalf, other than it's kind of cool who's he, who he's related to, uh, my problem with Metcalf is I think for a receiver in the NFL, he is too big. He, too big? He needs to be a tight end. Have you seen him? No. He is gigantic. How tall are you? I'm 6'2". He's taller than you. and I, A lot of people are. And built like a truck. I'm built like a dump truck. <laughs> But I think since so okay, so he has he has a neck issue, right? He has separation issues. So him being a receiver in the NFL, I think that is going to give him problems, especially Possibly. with these ex- these you know experienced corners uh-huh. who know how to play people. Like I just think, and especially him being that big, he's a giant target. Yeah. If he gets a re- if he gets a pass like across the middle, he is going to get flattened. 
It's possible. So I think it, just me, you know, in my own opinion, I think he he would be better off as a tight end. Yeah, I, I am not big on any of the wide receivers coming out this year. So I'll watch Metcalf, but I don't know that regardless of where he goes, he's an impact in the first year. The last person the source gave us to talk about was TJ Hawkinson out of Iowa. This kid's been moving up the board like crazy. He can block. He can catch. He can do it all. Some people said he's not only the best tight end on the big board, but the top-ranked offensive player. ESPN has him as the first offensive player taken at six on the big board. Wow. The sixth best player in the draft, and he is better than Kyler Murray, according to ESPN. Everyone says he's ready for the NFL. He can block. He can run route. He's got great hands. The problem is he's got no acceleration. The tight end position in fantasy football is an absolute wasteland. If he goes in the top 10 picks, and I don't know who the top 10 picks are. Do you still have the draft order up? Yeah, I'll put it back. There we go. Where, and again, we're talking about fantasy impact here. Right. So if he goes, to the, if he goes to the Cardinals, I'm going to say zero immediate impact. Who's drafting two? So as of right now, it goes Cardinals. No. 49ers. Yes, because Garoppolo, but he, they've got Kittle, so they're not going to take him. Go to three. Jets. Ah, they've got Herndon, who they not think bad. is going to be good. So I'm going to pass on that. Raiders. They need a tight end. They need a tight end, but I don't think Derek Carr's going to give him the ball. That he'd not be a good impact there. Buccaneers. No. Giants. Yeah. No, because they've got that other guy they still think is good. Jags. Maybe. No, because Blake Ball is good. <laughs> Lions. Yes. Eric Ebron is in, in Indianapolis. That would be a great landing spot for him. What, what, did, the, what did the Lions uh, pick? Was that six? Lions pick eighth. All right, give me the last two. Give me the top ten. All right, so next two, next ones are the Bills at yes. nine. They the absolutely Bron- need a tight end. The Broncos at ten. Absolutely need a tight end. So there it is, eight, nine, or ten. He's going yeah. to one of those spots, in my opinion. And you know what? He would be great in – he wouldn't be great with the Bills – I don't know. He'd be great in Jacksonville. Who's starting in Jacksonville? Where? The quarterback. Oh, Flacco. Thank right? you. Oh, Flacco could use him. He might. He be likes tight Genius. Ends. Yeah. He's captain game management, man. Yeah. If you, he's deadly within twenty yards. <sighs> that might be a great fit. So if he goes, if he goes there, he might be an immediate impact. So, all right. So those are the three players that the the source recommended. You notice that we didn't talk about any of the quarterbacks. There we are did. three quarterbacks that are potential first-rounders. Kyler Murray, the guy that everyone is saying that Arizona is going to take. I'm yep. not convinced. But here's the thing. Who's the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals now? Duh, that guy from college. Right, Cliff Kingsbury. There you go. Cliff Kingsbury started talking to Kyler Murray when he was a sophomore in high school. Holy shit, Really? He was the Texas Tech quarterback coach and later the offensive coordinator. He started recruiting Kyler Murray immediately. Murray eventually went to Oklahoma. Cliff Kingsbury moved on. But there were people who were like, yeah, he would show up at practice and they would hug each other and talk for 15 minutes on the sideline like they were old college buddies who hadn't seen each other. Wow. He has been obsessed with getting Kyler Murray to play for him. So that really... Goodbye, Josh. Yeah. That really works in that favor. Um, Murray, so what I've read, he's strong arm, quick release, good decision maker in the pocket. He doesn't panic, but he does like to evacuate the pocket quickly and he will give up the pass play to the run. If he does not feel comfortable with his progressions, um, here's the problem. If you decide to run prematurely in NFL, do you know what happens to you? What happens? Concussions. Yes. Lots of them because you're moving forward and a guy's running at you and he squashes you. So if you get this um, reputation as an unorganized scrambler or a premature scrambler, for lack of a better term, it can work against you. What are your thoughts on Kyler Murray? <sighs> it, it, yeah, I really, I still think the Josh Rosen experiment is over in Arizona. Oh, man. And I think that Kyler Murray is going to go there and he's going to start. So where does Rosen go? Because this smells like a draft day trade. He goes to the Giants. Really? I'm still sticking with that. He goes to the Giants. Backs up Eli for a year, and then he's a starter? Yep. That's how their the Giants offense is built around Eli. Eli does not scramble. Josh does not scramble. He's the same kind of quarterback. And there you go. 
He's wow. That's very interesting. I mean, granted, I he's going to have to play in that. suckier weather than Arizona, but. Hmm. Other quarterbacks to watch. Dwayne Haskins is very interesting. I don't think he's going to go yeah. to a place that he's going to be immediately impactful. Um, some people have said he's the most complete player in the draft, but he doesn't deal well with pressure. He tends to freeze in the pocket when he's no, under that's pressure. that's not good. But he's got great size and strength. He keeps his eyes downfield, and he can sense pressure. He's really good at saying, I've been holding the ball too long. Something bad's going to happen to me. So I feel like he's a developmental player. Depending on where he goes, he may be a starter in 2020 or 2021. He might be like Pat Mahomes was this year. One year as a backup, really learning NFL systems, really going through his paces, and then gets his opportunity. But it all depends on where he goes. Right. So uh, any other thoughts on Dwayne Haskins before I move on? Um, No, not really. Great. Drew Locke. People have said, already, and this is what drives me nuts. He's been compared to Paxton Lynch. Oh. Nothing says I'm a draft day bust like being compared to Paxton Lynch. He has size and strength to be elite. He is a great athlete, but he's bad under pressure. He panics. Whereas, um, blow the whistle, blow whereas, the whistle. Yeah, whereas Haskins tends to freeze and become indecisive, he tends to force the ball. Now, the good news is he's had amazing people to play with. Don't forget. That, um, no, that's not the right place. I was going to say one of the other wide receivers, but that's not the right place. Um, yeah, one, one scout I read said he is so slow on progressions that you can actually see him thinking. You can look at his face in the mask and you can see the wheels turning. That's way too slow. That's not good. Because linebackers, people may not know this, linebackers look like read quarterbacks' faces. Yes, Eyes tell you everything. And he they just said he tends to overlook his first option. He will stare at them like they're the only player on the field. That's and bad. People look at that. That's bad. That's bad. The NFL speed, that's gonna be bad. So out of the quarterbacks, is there anybody does Kyler Murray pan out fantasy wise for you, or do you need he to see could, where he goes? But I mean, honestly, if he winds up on Arizona, I don't think I would draft him unless you're in a dynasty league. I don't think I would draft him this year. And even then, you're drafting him later. Yeah. Well, later in a dynasty league is like round two. Right. So, running backs. We talked about Josh Jacobs. The source is a Penn State alum, which makes it shocks me. Shocks me he didn't talk about Miles Sanders, who's probably a late first, early second rounder. He's the running back out of Penn State. Really solid. Good feet. Plays low to the ground, and he catches the ball. The problem is. He doesn't like pass protection. What is he running backs like, not, like, not wanting to block? This is not a good offensive draft. No, this is all defense. It is not a good offensive draft. And you'll notice we're not talking about defense. Why? Because you don't draft defensive players in most fantasy leagues. No. You draft defensive we teams. We did that one year. We were did? You, were you in that league? Oh, the indi- when we did indiv- an, individual think, defense? Yeah. No, never doing that again. Never again. It is too much. It was a bit much. And I, I, I appreciate guys who do IDL, individual defense leagues. That is why there's two or three guys on um, Twitter excuse me, that I'll retweet because they do great IDL work because I won't do it. No. So. Um, we should do special team yards. No. Why not? That's a lot. So I have suddenly developed a hiccup, so I'm going to try to throw it to Craig before another one hits. Um Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders. I mean, Benny Snell, I think, is a big-time sleeper. Yes. The dude from, I think Related he's from to Kentucky. the guy from the Jets. Is he? Yeah. I think he's a big-time sleeper, but all these guys are situational. I mean, is there anybody on the running back so, core you're like, yeah, that guy could be a really uh, big breakout in year one? Not in year one. I think a lot of these rookies like need to sit a year Offensive yeah. rookie, offensive rookies. I think Hawkinson's the only one I think is NFL ready, out the gate, and that's because tight end is so thin. Yes. Uh, personally, I think the Bengals should draft a linebacker, but that's me. I think you're seeing a lot of defense. It's gonna be a very boring draft. Last year was the exciting draft. We had all sorts of quarterbacks coming out left and right. This year is gonna be the boring draft. Yep. Tight ends. We talked about Hawkinson. Ironically enough, what the hell just fell? Yeah, something doesn't matter. Okay. Um, ironically enough, the second best tight end on my list yeah. is also from Iowa. Really? Is Noah Fant. 
I'm probably mispronouncing his name. It might be Font. I have Fant. But um, he's speedy. He's speedier than Hawkinson and harder to bring down in the open field. However, he does not have good blocking skills. Hawkinson dominated the blocking. People have said he's just basically a bulked-up receiver. Right. That's a problem. That's a problem. So second, third, fourth round aren't out of their own possibility for this young man. But he can contribute somewhere where you need a pass-catching tight end. If you're going to use him like a Tony Gonzalez, he'll work. Gonzalez only blocked on like 15 to 25% of his plays. He didn't block a whole lot. He could, but they didn't use him that way. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. Thoughts on Noah Fant before I move on? Uh, No. Great. Not really. So the only other player on my list we didn't talk about was Marquise Brown at Oklahoma. He's the wide receiver. He is a boomer bust prospect and a weak wide receiver class, in my opinion. Yes, it is. He has amazing speed, exceptional speed. The problem is, if that's the one pro, the cons are everything else. Yeah. His hands are questionable. In contested throws, he is not good. He does not have the size. He's got a Liz Frank that he's coming back off of. He has not done any of the pre-draft events because of the Liz Frank. Is this a guy you draft and depending draft on where he goes? Hope, but it's all going to depend on who drafts him. Exactly. So let's say... Because there's a, some quarterbacks that, like, yeah. Let's say it's a Don't. place that's got a solid one and two. Not right. great, but let's say they have somebody who's in the top 20 wideouts now yep. and somebody else who's in the top 30, and he's the third down option. He's like a Ted Ginn. Would you risk on him? Yeah, maybe. Depends on where you are in the draft and how desperate you are. I think he has the potential, but I'm not confident on it. I'm not. I'm not. So. All right. Final thoughts. We're wrapping it up. So that was our draft extravaganza, which was much more subdued than last year. Yes. Because it's it's defensive draft. Defensive players. It is. And unless you're in an IDL league, it doesn't matter for fantasy. Next draft. Yeah, are we looking looking ahead? If you're looking at tight ends. Really? Oh, yeah. Zach Gentry is going to be the best tight end in the draft. Fantastic. I don't know who that is. He's a tight end for Michigan. Oh. He is good. He's a senior this year. Why didn't he come out this year in a week Because he's smart. (laughs) He could have finished school. He could have been the two or the three (laughs) this year, and he's going to be the one next year. That actually makes sense. So, all right. So, enjoy the draft. Yes. We will be back next week. Uh, we're going to take another week off in May, but I'm not exactly sure what date that is going to be because Craig's going on vacation. Um, and I'm on vacation, too. So we have a problem. Yeah. My birthday falls on a recording night. It does, but I think that's the week I'm away. Fantastic, because I am so not recording on my birthday. Problem solved. I will live stream from Twitter me passed out on the couch. We could do that. On my birthday. We so. could do that. Um, okay. Uh, so final thoughts. Craig, what do you got for us? Uh... Yeah, so I know we've been saying this the last couple weeks, but now with the draft this week, the offseason is officially over. Yeah. Prep it's officially, begins. officially over. I mean, this past offseason, we had more news than expected. Yeah. But uh, it's officially over after Thursday. Yeah. Not Thursday. Tomorrow afternoon, the 2019 season officially begins. Prep work officially begins, particularly for Dynasty. Um, if you're in season long, Maybe you got another month or so. We we, brought, we will not do and projections. Please do not draft best ball leagues until oh, no, after I'm, Thursday. <laughs> I, I'm drafting one Friday. Right, right. We're drafting after one Thursday. next week. We're doing That's, one next week. Okay. We may not do we'll it live. Do we can do it live. We might. We might do it live. We might do it. Um, we might tell you how it went live. But um, <laughs> that might be just for time constraints might be easier. Yeah, but we'll uh, we will definitely do it. Um, yes, it's it's time, guys. It's go time. And it's funny, I was talking to my boss today, I was having lunch with my boss, and she asked me, how is your podcast going? And I said, good, we're coming out of the quiet time. And she said to me, what do you mean coming out of the quiet time? Football doesn't start for another like three months. Oh, no. And I'm like, no, no, no. no, no. no. Prep work starts with the draft. It ends with the Super Bowl and starts with the draft. We're coming out of the quiet three months of the year. So we're going to be hitting full force and getting all the information we can out there for you folks. So um, for then, me, yeah, my final my final thought will be pay attention to the draft, 
pay attention to rounds four through seven. So many good players come out of four through seven. Many picks are traded that involve players, maybe in three through seven, that are, well, let's say three through five. Let's let's narrow it down. Three through five. The Eli Manning trade. Yeah. Phillip Rivers for Eli Manning. There were extra picks in there. I think it was a third rounder and a fourth rounder in following years that the uh, then San Diego Chargers received. Do you know who they picked with those two picks? Who? Nate Keating, their kicker who could like hit a dime, and Sean Merriman. Wow. I may have the rounds wrong. Merriman might have been a second rounder, but you have to watch these picks and where they go. At the end of the day, that trade was Eli Manning for Phillip Rivers, Nate Kading, and Sean Merriman. Yes. And they... They and came out ahead of there. <laughs> three straight years, even though Eli has won two Super Bowls. Against the th- Patriots. Three straight years, the San Diego Chargers won the AFC West because of that trade. Solely because of that trade. What the hell was that? Craig oh. is summoning demons on his phone. I am. So, uh, but, uh, so my final thought is don't underestimate the trades that are made. That is Look true. At Pay attention them. to those. Pay attention to those. If you're a football fan, they may not affect fantasy today. They may affect fantasy tomorrow, and that's, that's the big good. thing. I like that. That's the big thing. And uh, then the other fi- two-second final thought, yeah. and we do have more time. We're not rushing here. We, um, the other 30-second final thought is Game of Thrones is in full full effect. Yes. Everyone's going to die. That's my prediction. When people sit there and say, oh, who's going to be left at the end of the year? Nobody. Me. I'm going to be left <laughs> sitting on the couch with nothing to watch on TV. That's what's going to be left. Yep. So... Uh, and I just like to leave everyone with a final thought from uh, uh, Marshawn Lynch. Can we play this? face. A lot of people ain't gonna be able to take that over and over and over and over and over and. And when? Over and over and over and over and over. And when? And over and over and over and over and over again. They just not gonna want that. Think there's a deeper metaphor there? Run through a motherfucker face. There you have it. And on that note, we will see you next week. Until then, enjoy the draft. I am Britt. I'm Craig. And we are the Football Fig Nuts Podcast. <laughs>